Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. continuing our series on what does it mean to have the mind of Christ. And last week gave you uh, a, some exercises to practice about joy. And I tell you, it was fun for me. I, I, I tell you, I, I am all in on this joy thing, uh, especially after the beginning of this year and, and for what we have, have come through. And I, I really got my, my joy experience or my joy exercise from actually Laura May, who did our Young Disciples time for the 8.30 service last week. She said, why don't you just smile at people? And, and I, I, took that, I took that a little bit different, too, because I had a conversation with a, a good friend of mine who was taking a class with, and, and this person was complaining about a barista at a particular Starbucks that they visit. Not, not around here in this area, but in the town that they, they live in. Uh, he said, you know, it just really irritates me. Every single time I go to the Starbucks, the very first thing, I'm going to the drive-thru, the very first thing that the, the person over the intercom says, she asks for my name. And I'm going, you didn't know my name. I'm just here to get a cup of coffee. Who cares what my name is? Just give me the coffee so I can go. And we were just laughing at him as he was talking about this because you could tell that, that deep down inside, it was just irritating him to, to know in that this barista was asking him what his name was. I don't have to give my name. And so we challenged him. And because we challenged him, I thought I would take that challenge too, is to... Instead of waiting for somebody to ask me what my name is that as I go to a, a restaurant or a, uh, a like Starbucks or a convenience store to get their names and to use their names. And, and I tell you, the, the, the change of demeanor and the change of attitude that I saw is just tremendous. It's just like they looked at me and said, wait a minute, do you care who I am? You, you want to know what, what my name is? And then, and then I use that name as I, as I talk to them. I, I really love it when they have the name tag on because you call them by their name. They just realize, oh, yeah, I have the name tag. But, but, but it, it lights them up. Maybe you've been like me where you've gone into a situation like that where, where a service person has just been reamed by the person that was right in front of you. And, and, and you see their, their countenance is just so low because they, they, they just were yelled at or, or made to feel lower than they really were. And then when you take the opportunity to say their name, and it, it, it lightens them. It, it, it lets them feel like they matter, like they're important. So that, that's the way that I practice joy uh, this past week. And I'm going to continue to do that just because it is so important that in anything and everything that I do, I try to put on the mind of Christ and allow God to, to guide me and lead me as I move through this world. So as we prepare to hear today's message, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray.
Oh God, you have surrounded us with your grace, a grace that, that fills our innermost needs and those things that we may not know that we need. But Lord, we open our hearts and minds to that so that you may feed us, so that you may mold us, so that you may move us. So God, as we begin this time together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. As we talk about having the mind of Christ, there's one passage, I don't, I don't have it on the screens, but it was a passage that just kept going through my mind as I was preparing for this message, and it's one of my favorite passages. It's uh, actually from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's what we're aiming for with this series, is that we, we stop trying to identify or, or, or to, to say that we understand what is going on in the world, which is important, we need to do that, but, but we don't do that by trying to understand exactly what the world is telling us to do, but we, we do that in starting to listen and trying to hear what the mind of Christ is. And, and Christ, we know, is now seated at God's right hand. He, he's interceding for us. He's praying for us. And, and when we take the opportunity to understand what is the mind of Christ and we set our hearts on those things, then our lives begin to get changed. Our, our, our lives have this difference in them so that we can see the love and grace active and full in our lives. I, I think one of the biggest dangers that I, I see in the Christian faith is that we, we get tied up in the work of justification by the work that Jesus has done on the cross. Now, please let me hear me say that is extremely important. We would not have our lives as followers of Jesus Christ if it wasn't for what Christ did on the cross to save us from our sins. But if we stop there, just think about what we miss. If, if we stop there, just think about the life that we, we, we are, are missing out on. When we, we forget to replace those thoughts of the world with those things and those thoughts from above, then we have a life that is abundant through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, he says it this way, that the, th the transformation of the inner being is as much or more a gift of grace as is our justification before God. When, when I was growing up, I was very heavily trained in the necessity to have my sins forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But what happens after that was not necessarily a, a mystery, but it, it was kind of left aside. It, it was not really talked about that much because once you were saved because of Jesus' death on the cross, then you were good. You, you were good to go. Every, everything was just fine. But, you know, God calls us to a whole lot more than just sitting around and waiting for us to die to go to heaven. That's the transformation that we're talking about. The transformation of our inner being that's just such a, a, as big as gift 
for us as Christ dying for us, allowing ourselves to be, be fully transformed by God's love and grace so the world and the life that we live, live and lead now matters. What we share with others matters. And how we treat each other matters. That's why we're talking about these five underlying conditions that, that helps us to receive the mind of Christ. We talk about joy, love, peace. We'll talk about faith and we'll talk about hope. Those five things help us see that, that we are meant for a whole lot more than just waiting around for heaven. We are meant to bring heaven here on earth. Now, the scripture that we have for today as we talk about love is a scripture that may be familiar to a lot of you because it's used at a lot of weddings. I know I'm going to be doing a wedding here soon, and this is going to be one of the passages that the couple would like to have read at their wedding. And, and it's a very important passage, but I think we need to look at it just a little bit more than a, a nice passage to be have read at a wedding. So our scripture for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles where we do have the words printed on the screen. Hear these very familiar words from scripture. Paul writes, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But when there are prophecies, they will cease. When there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. I think one of the reasons why I may have a, a little difficulty, make sure I put that in air quotes, a little difficulty with this passage being used in weddings is because it, it makes it seem like it's about us. <coughs> about who we are and, and, and what we do. But in all actuality, what this passage is about, it is about God and how God guides us and how God leads us. And I, I think what really helps us to, to start to flip and see it that way is when we change the definition of what we think love is. I think a, a better definition that, that Dallas Willard gives about love is this particular definition. He says that love is engagement of the will for what is good, to will to do good, to do what is best for the other person. Another way to say that is that love is not passive. Love is not something that you can do and, and just, just, just fall into it. And then that one of those sayings that we like to say a lot, oh, I fell in the love. No, no, you, you can't just fall in to love. I, I think there are many different ways that we, we use the word love, and, and honestly, it just, it just cheapens it. And it cheapens the act of love that we have received from Jesus Christ. So, so how do we do that? 
How, how, how do we uncheapen love? Well, well, first and foremost, I think it's very important that we understand that love is God. And because love is God, that, that our very first act of love should go towards God, because God is love. If we take a look at 1 John 4, 16, we hear these words, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. See, when we take the opportunity to live in love and, and when we take the opportunity to live in love for other people and wish the best for them or, or have the will to want what is good for another person, then, then we are living in the love that God has called us to live in. And that love that God has called us to live in is the love that God shares every single day, every single moment, every single time in our lives. I think it's very important for us to understand that, that it is not hard for God to love. And, and it's not hard for God to love because that is who God is. Let me tell you what's hard for God to do. It is hard, but yet impossible given in God's nature for God not to love. That is just who God isn't. God is not a person who cannot love. If we take a look at the entirety of Scripture, we see this act of love from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. There are acts of love that God does over and over again for God's people. The problem comes is when God's people fails to accept that love and live into that love and to grow into that love. I think that's why the passage for today is so important. It's so important for us to understand that when we talk about love being patient, love being kind, we're not talking about what we do, but what God has already done. We, we were talking about not what, what we are, are, are striving to do, but we also say that this is something that we ascribe to be because that is who God is. That, that, that is who God calls us to be. That, that there's a form of desire that comes from that. And, and desire is, again, one of those other things that, that, that has some negative connotations and, and there's some negative baggage that comes with desire. For example, probably whenever I get done with confirmation class and our uh, little game night tonight, I will desire a Reese's peanut butter sonic blast with a little extra peanut butter inside of it. <laughs> I'll desire it because I love it. But do I really love that? No. I don't, I don't wish the best for a sonic blast with a Reese's peanut butter cup with a little extra peanut butter in it. I want to eat it. <laughs> I want to devour it. I, I, I want that to be in my belly so it makes me feel good. See, see, what's the problem with that? The problem is that I want to use that Reese's peanut butter cup sonic blast with a little peanut butter in it for me, for my desire. For, for my wants. It, it, it's not like how we treat other people. 
It's not like how we should treat sisters and brothers in Christ or even those who are created in God's image. Now, desire isn't all bad. Paul talks about desire just before he gets to this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8, he says, Now eagerly desire the greatest gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Well, what are those greater gifts? The greater gifts are these underlying views or these, these underlying purposes of, to attain the mind of Christ. Having joy, having love, having, having peace, having faith, and having hope. Those underlying conditions are the greater gift. And when we are able to, to, to grasp those greater gifts, then we can truly live as, as Jesus calls us to live. But desire can be bad as well. Desire leads us to those things that we know as lust, when we see things that, that we want more than, than others, or, or by power to make sure that we have uh, those things around us, or, or even the pride to make us feel or think that we're better than, than other people or, or other things. Those desires, when, when it turns bad, it, 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 it turns off the love that we can have for other people. And, and it sets us up to where we, we place ourselves on a pedestal. And, and we look at those around us as ways to, to serve us, to better us, to improve us so that we can use them and then just throw them away. See, see, that is what desire of, of lust and, and power and pride can do. It helps us to see that we are the ones in control instead of allowing and knowing that God is the one who is guiding us and leading us. So, so how can we live into this love? As, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as apprentices of Jesus, how do we live in it? First, we must understand that love comes about by repentance. We must repent. We, we, we talk about that word metanoia, which means that we turn full, we, we turn 360, we turn totally in the opposite direction. Sometimes, if you're like me, whenever I repent, I'll, I'll start going this way, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, but really, you know, I want to go back on the way that I was going. We, we, we must take the opportunity to stop and repent. That's why in the communion liturgy, when we participate next week, when we, we share a communion, you hear these words, hear the good news, that while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. Why? To prove his love for us. When we repent, when we, when we take the time to say, God, I, I give my life to you, then we know that God is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins so that we can live fully in his love and his grace. Once we are awakened to that love and grace through repentance, it calls us to love Jesus and then God. It, it, it gives us the ability to, to take the blinders of the world on us and to see God and who God really is and, and know that God is love. That, that, that God, first and foremost, wishes the best for us and, and wishes for us to live in God's best 
for us. And then after we fully accept that, then we are called to love our neighbors, to, to, to take a look at those around us and wish the best for them. Now I know this can be messy. This can get hurtful, maybe hurtful for our pride, but it, but it, but it may turn people away because we want to make sure we are wishing the best on others instead of wishing the best on our own. <clears throat> Yesterday, I uh, woke up and I saw news about some video from a recent police arrest that happened in Memphis, Tennessee, where a young man was beaten and died in the hospital later. And uh, it broke my heart to see that. And it's so easy when you see stuff like that, to get angry and to get enraged and to get so, so mad about what has happened that you can stop thinking. And you start lashing out. You start lashing out at, at, at either side. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know what we need to do more as a church? You know, we can't do anything to cause what happened in Memphis, Tennessee to be overturned. There, there, there's nothing we can do to, to wind back the clock and to have that stop. But this is what we can do. We can build partnerships, as we already do with the law enforcement in our town, to make sure that they know that we support them and that we care for them and, and we will the best for them. But it also doesn't stop there. It helps us to see, especially as we move into Black History Month, that, that, that we build partnerships with minority communities within our church, within our community, and say, you know what, we wish the best for you and we love you because that is what we do and how can we help support that way something that may happen in Memphis, Tennessee will never happen in Royce City, Texas. Now, that may be a Pollyannish way of, of thinking about this, but I don't think it is. Because I, I, don't, I don't care who we are, we can't affect anything that happens in Memphis, Tennessee. We can't affect anything that happens in Los Angeles or Chicago or even as close as Dallas. But one thing that we can do is that if we are act, we are called to love our neighbors, to engage in what is good for those who are around us, we can act right here to make sure God's love and grace that, that, that we hold on to, that, that we share with each other is shared with our community around this community. See, once we have that love, and once we understand what that love is, then that redeeming work that, that God has given to each and every one of us, we then can share that redeeming work with the world around us. That, my friends, is what we are called to do. We're not called to, to wring our hands and to wish things were, were not the way that they are, but we can act as representatives of God's love and grace to make sure that God's love is shared right here and right now. So in your bulletin, I have some more 
spiritual practices for you. I, I've had some people come up to me already and they said, you know, we absolutely love these spiritual practices because it, it's helped us to start thinking about things differently, which that's what they're for. They're, they're, they're to help us to think about things differently and how to, to use these practices in order for us to grow to have the mind of Christ. And there's one that I wanted to really highlight in here. Maybe you're familiar kind of with this concept, but instead think of it this way. Practice routinely purposeful acts of kindness and deeply intelligent acts of beauty. Does that kind of sound familiar a little bit? Sometimes we may hear of it, act, practice acts of random kindness, those type of things where maybe you go to another drive-through and you pay for the person behind you, you know, randomly just because you just want to do something good. And, and I'm not saying that those are bad things, please. <laughs> please don't hear me say something like that. But what would it look like if we were to our love our neighbors, where we actually practice routinely, which means we do it more <laughs> often than we, we have in the past, purposeful, that we think about what we are going to do. Acts of kindness and deeply intelligent acts of beauty. If we lived our lives really thinking about what we were going to do instead of allowing the, the waves of, of, of change or, or the waves of wind just blow us from one way to the other, we actually thought, okay, I want to live my life where I'm engaging the will for what is good, to will to good what is best for the other purpose. How can I do that purposefully? To where people's lives are changed. Maybe it's uh, helping out with our daily bread food pantry and, and purposefully helping out there or, or helping out with a good place, which I know we have a bulletin insert about what's happening with that ministry. Or, or maybe it's somebody you know in your neighborhood that you feel like God is calling you to reach out to them and share God's love with them. What if we as the church did all the activities we do with an act of purposefulness behind it, knowing that God is not random, that, that God didn't do anything in random, but he did everything with a plan and a purpose for us, and so we must act with a purpose and plan for the world around us. I invite you to take one of these spiritual practices and live into it so that God's love may be full in you and then you may share that love with others. Let us pray. Oh God, we desire love. That is evident. We desire love because that is who you are. That is what you do and, and what you have given us. Lord, we remember that you are patient, you are kind, you are not envious, you do not boast and you're not proud. You don't dishonor us. Your love is not self-seeking. We know that you're not easily angered and and you keep no records of the things we do wrong. God, help us to, to look at that as a way for us to train ourselves, to see how we can respond and, and live and love our neighbors. 
as you so have graciously loved us. Guide us in this week as we look for ways to engage with others in a joyful way to share your love with them. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.